Overthinking is this often misunderstood process that can cause pretty significant distress and stop us from acting. And acting is the thing which brings movement, which brings momentum, which gets us out of our head into our lives. But understanding what overthinking is, why it happens, and how to address it with practical science-backed strategies can really help us regain control over our minds and lead to more productive, healthier mental processes, and in turn, better lives. So you know, we all have those moments, maybe even days, months, years, some of us, maybe even decades of our lives where our minds just won't stop racing. We get caught up in this whirlwind of thoughts and anxieties, worries, stories, just rehashing the past, forecasting the future, and all too often imagining these worst case stories or scenarios, and we just can't let them go. Yes, we are talking about overthinking. And today, we are going to unravel this interesting, complicated, sometimes messy mental pattern and share with you a set of science-backed strategies, a sort of a an overthinking ultimate toolkit to help you stop overthinking and start taking action, to become more present in your life, more focused on what matters, more engaged with those around you because you are not spinning those things in your head and just perpetually overthinking. And you may be surprised at just how much control you do have over this process and how powerful and fairly quick to implement some of the tools we'll share are. So that is where we're headed today in this second installment of our Good Life Summer Series, where every Monday I'm kind of going solo to take on a single topic that is critical to a life well-lived, to dive into ideas, the issues, the practical impact, science, art, and then explore strategies, tips, and tools to navigate these experiences with more grace and ease. And last week in the opening summer series session, I took us all into the world of manifesting, the good, the bad, the fact, and fiction, and there was a ton of both with lots of surprises, by the way, including even for me as I went deeper into the research. And the science was kind of fascinating. We looked at how to do it right in a more grounded, research-aligned way. And if you didn't listen, by the way, you'll find a link in the show notes. And be sure to take two seconds right now to follow Good Life Project on whatever platform you are on right now. And that way you'll be sure to never miss an episode from this fun, entertaining, valuable, maybe even groundbreaking summer series. Okay, on to our deep dive, how to stop overthinking and start acting. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Good Life Project is brought to you by Understood Explains, a podcast that's like a beacon for parents navigating the special education system. Hosted by Juliana Urtube, a special education expert, this season is all about individualized education plans, or IEPs. Juliana breaks down complex topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP in a way that's easy to grasp. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains about the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, and I was struck by the balance of empathy and practical advice. It's not just about understanding the system. It's about empowering parents and caregivers to advocate for their children, which is just so important. So I've known a number of people who've had to literally scramble to figure out how to advocate for their kids when the system seemed to just make it so hard to get the support that they need and deserve. So if you're a parent navigating this world or even just wondering if it's right for your family, I encourage you to give Understood Explains a listen. Search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. It's like having a roadmap for a journey you didn't expect, making it a little less daunting. Good Life Project is sponsored by the ADHD AHA podcast hosted by Laura Key. So I've been kind of amazed at how many conversations I've had lately with people later in life who are wondering if they have ADHD. 
it can be hard to understand what ADHD is by looking at a list of symptoms. So in each episode of ADHD AHA, you'll hear heartfelt interviews about the unexpected, emotional, even funny ways that ADHD symptoms surface for adults. Like the recent episode with ADHD coach Emily Weinberg, which really resonated with me. Her story about how she was thinking she was, quote, just lazy before her diagnosis because she wasn't hyperactive really struck a chord. Her feeling frozen and stuck ruminating on mounting to-do lists is just so relatable for so many people. It's really validating to hear others articulate those experiences. Each episode of ADHD AHA features candid tales of realizing that your loved one has ADHD. You'll hear the unexpected, emotional ways that it manifests in adults through heartfelt interviews. ADHD AHA captures the authentic human experience of ADHD. So if you want a fresh personal perspective that embraces the messiness, listen to ADHD AHA. Search for ADHD AHA in your podcast app. That's ADHD AHA with AHA spelled A-H-A. It's an AHA moment you won't miss. Okay, so we are back diving into how to stop overthinking, what we can do to get out of our head and into action into the world. So I thought I'd start by sharing a bit of my own encounter with overthinking. And I pretty much don't know a person who has never had an experience with this. There are a couple of sort of moments that pop out to me. I mean, one of them is years back when I was first launching into my career as an author. I was sort of transitioning out of one career and heading into another, it was my first book. I was super excited to be signed by a sort of a, a dream publisher, heads down, creating this thing. And I found myself particularly consumed by a somewhat brutal bout of overthinking. I would sit at my computer, fingers poised over the keyboard, only to find myself ruminating over each word that I planned to write, not even each word that I wrote because there wasn't anything on the page yet, but each word that I thought about writing, each phrase, each idea. And questions just started to loop endlessly through my mind, not just about the ideas and the writing and the craft and the outline, how is I actually going to show up and, and put all these things into the book, but I started asking bigger questions too. Things like, well, what if people don't connect with or like this book? And what if the critics just shred it when it's out? What if it's a massive success on the other side, but I can't live up to the expectations second time around because I had aspirations to be an author, not just once, but a whole lot of times. And I just kept asking all these different questions and spinning these scenarios. So not just around what was going to be in the book, but how I thought it might be received and what that would do to and for me. And I was caught in a bit of a whirlpool of overthinking. And I have to tell you, it was not only anxiety-inducing and kept me from being productive and also present and engaged, kept me from experiencing the actual joy of the creative process. It kept me from being able to return from that process to my relationships and my friends and my life and be present and focused because I couldn't let it go, it was exhausting. And I have had similar experiences at different moments. One, I remember in the early days of launching companies, there's tends to be this season kind of before you go live where you're spinning so many scenarios in your head. And to a certain extent, that can be constructive, right? You're trying to anticipate what's coming, prepare for it, resource yourself for it, and be ready. But to a certain extent, it also can be paralytic. It can basically shut you down. When I was in the throes of preparing to launch a yoga center in New York City, this was actually in, literally on the eve of 9-11. Of course, opening any kind of business, no matter what the scenario is, is always a daunting process. Launching a company, I've had the blessing of being able to launch a number over the last couple of decades. It's wildly consuming sometimes. Uh, there are just tons of leaps of faith and assumptions that you make, and you're just trying to make your best guess about what will happen. But the truth is you never really know until you just do it, get out of your head and start acting. And I remember being pre-opening stage, and not only was I spinning about you know, would this work? Is the idea good enough? Am I good enough? How would I put it all together? 
the way you would in a normal launch scenario, but I was also launching into a New York City that had just endured 9-11. So there were layers and layers and layers of uncertainty. And these are some sort of larger examples of how my spin cycle happened. But then there are also everyday examples. And I think we can probably all connect with no matter who you are, no matter how calm and centered and grounded and focused you believe you are, you know, things like the classic almost daily overthinking conundrum, what should we have for dinner? It is an absurdly straightforward choice for most of us. And honestly, we'd be happy with almost any option or equally unhappy with almost any option. Most of the time, it makes sense to literally flip a coin. And yet we spend so much more time on it than that. And these experiences, they, they've gotten me curious over the years because so many people have come to me exploring overthinking and through adopting a number of practices and strategies over a period of decades now, I have found myself coming to a profoundly more grounded and calm and less spinny and overthinky place in my life, in my work, in my relationships. And it has made a profound change in the way that I get to live my life. So I've had this growing curiosity around overthinking. What is it? What does it do to us? What does it do for us? How do we navigate it? Are there tools to bring us out of that process and get us present and in action and enjoying things? So we have all been there at some point, lost in the labyrinth of our thoughts, unable to move forward. And it's in these moments that we need to really recognize what's happening, that we are in fact overthinking that is what we're diving deep into today, along with some interesting science, some myth-busting along the way, and then a whole bunch of strategies, tools, and practices to help us navigate this thing called overthinking. So what exactly is overthinking? Overthinking is known sometimes by different names. It's also often known as rumination. It's a process of continuously thinking about the same thoughts which oftentimes can be sad thoughts or dark thoughts or just confusing thoughts or stories that we tell that may have either a lot or very little grounding in fact. And overthinking is when we dwell on these things, when we dwell on problems, well, stories, ideas, replaying them in our mind without end or obsessing on situations from the past or fears about the future, it creates this mental loop of continuous hyper-focus, often linked to worry and often leading to just endless indecision, causing us to freeze, become paralyzed, or avoid making any kind of progress. And psychologists have divided overthinking into sort of two general linked categories. There's this one rumination that I was talking about where you replay past mistakes over and over in your mind, dwelling on problems or losses, and an example of that might be to say, continually think about a job promotion you didn't receive or an opportunity you didn't take advantage of. Maybe you actually saw the opening, but you decided you just didn't apply for it. And you might not have applied for it because you started thinking in your head over and over and over all of the stories and scenarios that would make you either not worthy or not get it. And that took you out of even being in the game to be considered for it. And the second linked category is what's often known as worry. It's where you endlessly consider future events that could go wrong, otherwise known as what if scenarios. And this could manifest as anxiety over time, over, let's say, for example, an upcoming speaking engagement or a meeting with a supervisor or a boss continually envisioning the scenario and also often envisioning it not going the way that you want it to or hope it would or think it might. And then that becomes the thing that you hit spin cycle on. And overthinking can take on really different forms for different people. Some might overthink their actions or behaviors, while others might overthink conversations or relationships or stories. It can be a single obsessive point of rumination or a wide-ranging habit of just generally spiraling thoughts. And it can seem almost habitual, popping up anytime your mind isn't busy with something else, which by the way, is one of the reasons why so many people 
keep themselves endlessly busy because it distracts them from this process. And we'll talk more about whether that is a functional or dysfunctional mechanism for dealing with overthinking. So it's important to note that overthinking, it's also different from problem solving. Sometimes we say, well, it's got this word think in it, so it must be serving a purpose, right? It's helping us solve a problem. Well, problem solving involves thinking about a solution to a problem at hand, where overthinking involves dwelling on a problem, the causes and the consequences, without looking for a solution. You're stuck in the spin cycle rather than stuck in finding a way out of the spin cycle. And overthinking can be detrimental as it can lead eventually to really having negative effects on our physical and mental health. It can affect sleep, impair decision-making skills, hurt our ability to take action when action is needed. And overthinking doesn't just affect mental health, but also physical health as well. Studies have actually shown that overthinking and rumination can affect everything from digestion to hormone balance, immune function, leading to a host of follow-on conditions. So understanding overthinking is the first step towards managing it. And the more we are aware of our thought patterns, the more equipped we are to intervene and break the cycle of overthinking. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good Life Project is sponsored by NetSuite. So I remember when our businesses were just starting to really scale. It was amazing and also added complexity and stress. And the things that I used to do in hours were taking days, too many spreadsheets, too many systems, no single source of truth. That sounds familiar. You should know these numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. 37,000 businesses have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth, manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash goodlife. That's netsuite.com slash goodlife to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash goodlife. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight-up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front-row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. 
So why are we even talking about this? I mean, what is the big deal? I've kind of hinted at some of the things that it does to and for us. But the truth is, it's more than just a mental drain. Research tells us overthinking, it's not just distressing, and it doesn't just affect performance and productivity. It can affect us and the way that we live our lives. And this more than a decade-long exploration, Good Life Project, we're asking the questions, what affects our ability to live good lives? Overthinking can be one of those things because it weaves into so many aspects of our well-being. It is intricately tied to well-being, overall quality of life and work, productivity, relationships. So first, let's understand that our thoughts profoundly influence our emotions and actions. When we overthink, we tend to focus on negative aspects or potential negative outcomes. And this focus on the negative, it can create a self-fulfilling prophecy, causing us to behave in ways that bring about unwanted results, which in turn can lead to decreased satisfaction and fulfillment in almost all the areas of life that we genuinely care about. It can affect mental health. Overthinking has in fact been directly linked with certain mental health issues from anxiety to depression to stress-related orders. Because when we get stuck in these cycles of overthinking, we can create this sort of a, a mental rut, a neural pathway that our brain becomes used to taking. And the more it loops through it, the deeper the groove gets and the harder it is for us to break free from it. As we traverse this pathway, the rut just gets deeper. This can really lead to persistent feelings of sadness, worry, fear, anger, all the different feels, most of which are not great, and can disrupt our ability to just be present and enjoy our lives, our relationships, what's going on around us, be grateful to actually see the blessings that we have, and even to accomplish our goals, the things that we say really matter to us. That can also spiral out to affecting our physical health. So overthinking, it doesn't just stop at mental well-being. Its impact can bleed into our physical health as well. Studies have shown that chronic overthinkers may also be at a higher risk of developing conditions like heart disease, uh, high blood pressure, even weakened immune function. And this may well be because it's linked to the stress and anxiety associated with overthinking and how that can trigger our body's fight or flight response, activating our sympathetic nervous system, leading to a cascade of physical reactions, including increased heart rate, rapid breathing, and higher blood pressure. Activating that system when it is needed in genuine emergencies can be powerful and necessary. Activating it on a chronic basis can be devastating in our health. It can also lead to what's often known as action paralysis. So overthinking can inhibit our ability to take action. When we get caught up in overanalyzing every detail or potential outcome, we can find ourselves unable to make decisions or take steps forward. And this can stagnate our personal growth, halt productivity, stifle performance, even prevent us from pursuing opportunities that could lead to just tremendous happiness and relationships and connection and success in all the different parts of our life that we care about because it keeps us out of action mode and nothing happens when you're just spinning in your head. So relationships also get sucked into the abyss of overthinking. Overthinking can strain our interpersonal relationships if we're constantly ruminating on everything from stories to conflicts, scrutinizing our behavior, others' behaviors, worrying about others' perceptions of us. That is a huge source of overthinking. It can create tension, misunderstanding, and again, it keeps us from being present and engaged during those interactions that we say are the sweetness of life. Overthinking is really a significant obstacle to living a good life. Because not only does it contribute to all these different things, but it prevents us from fully experiencing the present moment and taking action toward our goals, the things that mean something to us. And addressing and managing overthinking is a pretty crucial component in cultivating a more fulfilling, balanced, and healthier lifestyle. 
For example, I remember a particularly stressful situation at work when overthinking put me in a state of really almost total decision paralysis. We were trying to choose a direction for a new project. Different people had different input, different ideas, which is completely normal and fine. And instead of making a decision and moving forward, I found myself mulling over every possible outcome, every point of view, every potential pitfall. And the decision-making process Instead of being made quickly, which it needed to be so that we could get into action, see what was genuinely right or wrong, and then just adapt from it, it just went into slow motion mode, paralysis mode. It dragged on for weeks and the project ended up being delayed. And I occasionally find myself dropping into that same thing. And I felt terrible back that time and it was a bit of a wake-up call and I really started to realize how much overthinking can hold us back in very practical ways. So what are some of the different areas that overthinking often shows up in our life? I've talked about some of them, but let's talk about some of the the sort of the bigger contexts here. It shows up often in decision-making. So maybe you're thinking about, let's say, buying or leasing a car. Well, sure, it's a significant investment. So a good amount of thought, it makes sense. and, And I think it's necessary. So you research various brands, models, reviews, and compare prices to make an informed decision. Great. That's awesome. You should do that. However, overthinking sets in when you cannot stop going over the pros and cons, doubting each choice you're inclined towards or away from, and just continuing to seek more and more and more information to the point where maybe weeks, maybe months pass not because you need that time to make the decision, but because you can't make the decision because you are in overthink mode and you still haven't bought a car and that can affect you negatively in so many different ways. Overthinking also often shows up in social interactions or social situations or even thinking about potential social situations. So imagine you've just attended a party and instead of reflecting back on it, cherishing the fun moments, You begin replaying the conversations that you had, scrutinizing what you said, what you thought about saying but didn't say, thinking about your jokes, your opinions, the stories that you told, or the moments that you didn't step in when you really did have something to say. And you start to worry about whether you said something wrong or maybe you're too quiet or whether people judged you for your views. And this constant over-analysis of social interactions is a kind of a classic example of overthinking. It shows up in work scenarios often as well. So let's say you recently completed a big project you were leading. Instead of relishing the achievement, you start just worrying about it. What are the errors that you might have made or how could you have done it better? You stay awake at night starting to think about how everyone around you will perceive you and your work. And if this project will affect maybe your future career path. Now, again, A certain amount of intelligent, thoughtful briefing and debriefing makes sense. But there comes a point where you go so far beyond that. And this leads to the spin cycle of overthinking. And that's often how it shows up in the context of work. It shows up often in personal relationships. For example, let's say a friend might not have replied to a text immediately. Instead of thinking of various logical reasons, you start overthinking. What did I do? What did they do? Are they ignoring me? Did I upset them somehow? Are they trying to distance themselves? Spin, 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 overthink, 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 instead of doing a simple thing which would pull you out of it. And as I've shared, it often shows up in the world of health. Overthinking can manifest eventually in terms of really negatively affecting our mental health. You might find, let's say, for example, oh, maybe there's a small rash or a slight irregularity in something and you start obsessing over the worst possible case scenarios that it could indicate spending hours online researching and researching and researching, but never actually doing anything to stop the cycle. So in all of these different contexts, overthinking doesn't provide solutions or relief. And that is one of the key indicators that lets you know that this is not just constructive thinking, but it is destructive overthinking. Instead, it amplifies anxiety, hampers productivity and performance, and often leads to this vicious cycle of negative thinking and inaction. So recognizing these patterns is kind of the first step towards breaking the cycle of overthinking and cultivating healthier thought habits.
Before we dive a little bit deeper into some of the science and then really get to a whole bunch of very specific strategies and tools, let's bust a few myths about overthinking too. One of those myths is that overthinking leads to better decisions. So many people believe that the more time and thought they put into a decision, the better the decision will be. I'll just keep spinning it in my head because that's my brain working in ways both conscious and less than conscious that will help me get to the best possible outcome. Problem is, this isn't always true. While sure, thoughtful consideration is important, overthinking can actually lead to decision paralysis where you're so overwhelmed by options and potential outcomes that you struggle to make any decision at all. And not only that, it can also lead to delays, delays of actions, delays of deliverables, delays that will set people who are relying on you to actually make those better decisions back in what they have to do and then cause interpersonal issues, internal political issues. So it doesn't really lead to better decisions. What it leads to is longer times to making decisions, stasis, and often never making decisions. One of the other myths is that overthinking, well, it just means that you're more intelligent. You're constantly in your head thinking things through. And some people equate overthinking with being smart, believing that a racing mind is sort of a sign of high cognitive ability. Just not true. Overthinking doesn't necessarily denote any form of superior or advanced intelligence. Overthinking often means that ruminating on the same thoughts repeatedly or worrying excessively neither of which is conducive to productive intellectual activity, has become the consuming activity that your brain has decided to engage in. So it actually pulls you away from that more constructive and creative outcome-oriented cognitive and creative process. Another myth is that, well, overthinking, it's really not a big deal. It's not that harmful at all. And at times you may be right. You know, if it's sort of at a fairly mild level, you know, it, it may be something that you just kind of roll with. But it can also be detrimental to both mental and physical health as it starts to grow. As we discussed earlier, it can lead to eventually things like anxiety, depression, poor decision-making, and even physical health problems that manifest from all of these. One of the other myths is, oh, if I stop overthinking, I'll stop caring. The fact that I'm spinning mercilessly in my head, well, it's actually a sign that I care about this thing deeply. And that's making me think so, so much about it. So I don't, quote, get it wrong. Overthinking is sometimes seen as a sign of caring or concern. People fear that if they stop overthinking, it means they're being complacent or don't care enough. But there is a stark difference between constructive thought and overthinking. It's possible to be attentive and concerned without falling into the trap of overthinking. And lastly, we'll sometimes say to ourselves, well, I can't control overthinking. Perhaps the most damaging misconception about overthinking, it's that very belief that it's completely beyond your control. And while it is true that breaking the cycle of overthinking can be challenging, there are many effective strategies, as we will dive into very shortly, that can help manage or even overcome this habitual way of being. And understanding these misconceptions, these myths, is pretty critical Overthinking, it isn't a benign habit or an indicator of intelligence or care. It is, in fact, a potentially damaging behavior that can hold us back in various aspects of life. And as I mentioned, with awareness and appropriate strategies, we can learn to move through it and powerfully reverse its pull. So one last thing before we dive into some of these strategies, the science of overthinking. What's actually going on when we're overthinking? So there's a substantial body of scientific research exploring the mechanics, the implications, and solutions to overthinking. On a neuroscience level, overthinking is often associated with certain areas of the brain, namely the prefrontal cortex, responsible for decision-making and self-expression and self-regulation and executive function, and the amygdala, which is often known as the primal, the fear center of the brain. And when we overthink, there's often a disconnect between these two parts, the amygdala triggers a stress response and the prefrontal cortex, instead of helping to calm down that response, it just gets caught up in the spin loop. 
stopping it from being able to regulate, pull you out of it, and then just focus on getting to a solution. Overthinking also affects mental health in certain ways. Research has found meaningful connections between overthinking, also known as rumination, and various mental health conditions. It's a common symptom of anxiety disorders, uh, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder. And one study actually found that people who tend to ruminate are more likely to develop these conditions. Now, whether it's causation or just correlation, I think the research is still ongoing, but we do know that there is a link between these things. And that also often manifests in physical health symptoms. Chronic stress from overthinking can lead to a variety of physical health problems because, as I mentioned, it activates the body's fight-or-flight response, which releases cortisol, the stress hormone. And chronic release of cortisol can lead to all sorts of inflammatory issues in the body. Overthinking also affects sleep. So it can lead to insomnia, poor quality of sleep, as the brain remains active when it should be resting. And this was supported by a really interesting study, which found that rumination and worry, forms of overthinking, were associated with several indicators of poorer sleep. And poorer sleep is one of these giant levers that affects every other function in the body. When we are not sleeping well, everything else falls apart. When we are sleeping well, everything else performs at a much higher level. Now, we also know, and this is the really cool part, there's a lot of research that shows that there are many different strategies and interventions that we can tap to reduce overthinking. And we are going to dive into so many of those. Understanding the science behind overthinking, it just kind of helps us in acknowledging it is a genuine issue, not just a bad habit or personality quirk. It also helps underline the importance of using evidence-based strategies to manage overthinking which we are about to dive into. So now that we understand the what, the why, the science, the myth of overthinking, let's move into the part that I know you have been eagerly waiting for, some solutions. We'll talk about strategies, tools, and practices that you can use to escape that maze of overthinking. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business... To a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, You can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So let's start with one that I have spoken about many times over on the podcast for so many different reasons, 
This is one of the most powerful practices that I have ever brought into my life. It's been a part of my daily life for about a dozen years now, and that is mindfulness. It's a practice that involves focusing on the present moment without judgment, and it allows you to observe your thoughts and feelings without getting caught up in them. And there's plenty of science to back it up, showing that mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, the practice of mindfulness, can significantly reduce overthinking and all the different names that we use for it. So how do you practice mindfulness? Well, one simple strategy is by setting aside 10 minutes every day for a mindfulness meditation. I think this is one of the easy ways to get into it. And what I would recommend is go online, go on YouTube. There are so many different podcasts that are basically mindfulness podcasts. There are wonderful apps that are out there that you can use to find just tons and tons and tons of free guided mindfulness meditations on audio, on video. Start with five minutes a day, seven minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, not too long at all. And anyone can sneak those in. And just listen as a voice guides you along. I think guided versions are the best way to step into it. So we don't have to think about anything. We don't have to learn anything to remember anything. You just quiet your mind, listen to the voice, and let it take you where you need to go. So that is a great point of entry for mindfulness. And explore different apps, different tools, and different people's voices because we tend to resonate with some and really not resonate with others. So give yourself a little bit of time to play around with it. A second powerful tool is something known as cognitive restructuring. So this is a technique used in cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, where you learn to identify and challenge irrational thoughts. It's about changing your thinking patterns. And studies have shown that cognitive restructuring can be effective in reducing overthinking. And you start by identifying your negative thoughts, right? then challenge their validity. Replace them with more balanced thoughts. So for example, if you're thinking, I'll fail my exam, challenge it. Ask yourself, is this actually true? Then ask, what evidence supports it? And then try replacing it with, I've studied hard and I'll do my best. So really simple intervention. Anyone can do that in a moment. You don't have to be studying or practicing this for months or years for it to be effective. When you find yourself in that place, when you catch yourself in overthinking mode, ask yourself, what is the thing that I'm overthinking? Challenge it. Ask that question, is it actually true? What evidence supports it? Oftentimes there's very little evidence to support it and then replace it with, What is the counter to that? In this case, well, I've studied really hard and I'll do my best. So that's another really interesting strategy that you can use. So a third one is often known as exposure therapy. And this involves confronting your fears in a safe, controlled environment. And it is usually done and strongly recommend that if you say yes to this approach, that you do it under professional supervision with Uh, the help of a qualified mental health professional. And basically it's about you taking that thing that you're overthinking about, that you're spinning about and actually doing something that exposes you to test whether it's real or not. So say you're afraid of public speaking, for example, and you overthink every possible scenario. Well, with exposure therapy, you might gradually expose yourself to this fear in little bits and pieces, starting from maybe just speaking in front of a mirror in your bathroom, to then speaking to one other person in a meeting, to then speaking to three people in a slightly larger meeting, to then speaking to a group, and then slightly larger and larger and larger. So you're slowly exposing yourself to this thing that you're overthinking in your head. You're pulling it out of your head. You're putting yourself back into an action stance. And then you are slowly chunking it down to the smallest pieces and exposing yourself to bits of it. And then each time you start to realize, oh, this is actually okay. And the next one, it's a little more okay. And then maybe the next one after that, it's a little less okay. You're uncomfortable. So you go back a little bit and you slowly just keep going, you know, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, which is completely fine. 
So what other strategies might we have? Well, one interesting strategy for overthinking is self-compassion. And this, it really involves treating yourself with the same kindness and understanding that you would offer a good friend. It's particularly helpful when you're overthinking due to past mistakes or perceived flaws. So research shows that self-compassion can reduce rumination and worry. So an actionable example or step for this would be to say, write a letter to yourself from the perspective of a compassionate friend, addressing the issue that you're overthinking about and try to provide understanding, comfort, compassion, and positive advice the same way that you would do for a friend who had the same overthinking going on in their head. It's sometimes remarkable how that can affect us. Another strategy is what we call time boxing. So time boxing involves setting a specific time during the day for overthinking. It's kind of an interesting one. When you find yourself ruminating outside of this time, remind yourself to postpone these thoughts until the designated overthinking time. And this strategy has shown really interesting results in reducing overthinking and anxiety, according to research. You literally just designate. So you might say to yourself, well, from 11 to 11.10 in the morning, and then from 7 to 7.08 in the evening, this is where I get to do the thing. So it's almost like you're tricking your brain and saying, I'm not just forcing myself to eliminate it. I actually get time to do this, but I'm just compressing it into a much shorter, discrete window of time so that I can be present and engaged and more action-oriented outside of that time. So another interesting intervention to overthinking actually involves getting out of your head and into your body. It's no secret that physical exercise is great for your mind. It helps it in so many different ways, including releasing a cascade of neurochemicals that change and sometimes even help grow your brain. It can change your mood. It can shift so many different things. And exercise can also help shift your focus away from overthinking and reduce stress. Many studies have shown a really strong positive relationship between physical activity and mental well-being. So make it a point to move your body to the extent that physical activity or movement are available to you, whether that's a walk, a run, yoga, or any other form of movement that feels accessible and available to you. Bonus points, by the way, if you do something that is not just physical, but also fun. So think about doing something where it moves your body and the fundamental nature of the activity requires your mind to be engaged in the activity. So an example of this would be simply having a cat taking a ball and throwing it around with a friend. So what happens if you lose focus on that? The ball goes somewhere completely else or it ends up <laughs> hitting you as has happened to me many times as a kid. Um, choose an activity. When I um, was a bit younger, I was deeply passionate about mountain biking and I loved to ride quickly single tracks or like narrow trails in the trees where it was windy and it was technical. And it wasn't a matter of whether I wanted to be focused in the moment. The fundamental nature of the activity required my mind to be focused. I couldn't be overthinking. I couldn't be ruminating. I couldn't be worrying because that meant I wasn't on the trail. And that meant that I would probably end up in a tree. So find activities where the fundamental nature of the activity requires your mind to be present in it. And that gives you these bonus points because you not only get the benefit of shifting your chemistry, but also bringing your mind out of that thought pattern and bring it into the nature of the activity that you're in. So another interesting intervention or strategy is journaling. Writing down your thoughts can provide an outlet for them, making you less likely to ruminate, to overthink. Research also tells us that expressive writing can reduce overthinking and improve problem-solving abilities. And the action step here is pretty straightforward. It's simply to start a journal and write for, start with five minutes a day. If that feels good, move to 10 minutes a day. If that feels good, make it 15 a day. If that feels good, just expand it to whatever feels good to you. And write about your thoughts, your worries, your fears, your overthinking. We often see that spilling it onto a page helps pull it out of your mind. And putting it into form like that sometimes allows the brain to just let go of it a bit more. 
So another intervention is often known as positive distraction. And that's about engaging in a task that requires your full attention that can divert your mind from overthinking. This could be painting. It could be playing an instrument. It could be cooking. It could be, as I described earlier, any physical activity where the fundamental nature of the activity requires you to be engaged in it. And the side effect of that is it serves as a positive distraction from the overthinking. So think about any activity where you are fully engaged and present in the moment. For me, writing also happens to be that, not just journaling, but actually writing. So I am a writer. Um, I'm on any given time, I'm working on books, I'm working on articles, I'm working on essays. And this for me is incredible at pulling me away from all the other things that might be spinning in my head during the day and allowing me to drop into just one of them. It's both a generative and creative expression of the essence of who I am, and it allows me to ground myself and kind of drop down out of any sort of overthinking spin cycle. So another interesting practice is a gratitude practice. Now, many of you have heard that gratitude and all the various interventions of gratitude practices can be incredibly effective at increasing positivity, at helping live a better life. And there is really meaningful research at how it affects us. But focusing on positive aspects of your life, feeling gratitude and practicing that on a regular basis can also reduce negative thought patterns associated with overthinking. So a great way to begin this practice is what people often know as a simple gratitude journal. And you basically just jot down three things that you're grateful for and that you had some role, even if minor, in making happen that day or being a part of that day. You can do it first thing in the morning, you can do it in the evening, and then the idea is to experiment a little bit with it. Does it work better if you do one a day? Does it work better if you do three a day? Does it work better if you just do this once a week on a Friday and spend 20 minutes really just noting all of the things that are right in your life. Because so often we don't think about that. And gratitude practice can sometimes counter the stories, the spin cycle of overthinking that we're telling because it makes you realize that certain things you may be overthinking about, actually, when you look at the objective fact of your life, aren't entirely true. And in fact, there may be a source of gratitude in the very things that are causing you to overthink. Now, here's another interesting intervention or strategy. And you may raise an eyebrow if you're somebody who loves to spend time on your mobile device. And that is limiting social media use. So research is increasingly telling us that there may well be a link between social media use and increased levels of anxiety and rumination and overthinking. And often the way that we feel about ourselves, which is not great. So it's crucial to really understand and to limit use of social media if you find that it's triggering overthinking for you. So you may be scrolling on your stream and you may start to notice as you're scrolling, oh, this person is so much more successful for me. This person is so much fitter than me. This person is that. This person has $5 million in their bank account and they're sitting in front of a like fancy car. This person is constantly on vacation. And I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this. And I wish I had done this differently. And you're going backwards now and lamenting, you're going forwards and spinning. Social media has kind of a stunning ability to drop us into this cycle of overthinking. And because it also is based on technology that plays on our impulse for constant reinforcement, it just keeps feeding us more and more and more and more. So we've got to be really careful about it. Now, again, I'm not a Luddite. There's a lot of great things that I find about social media, but we have to be really careful about how it's affecting our mental well-being. So maybe even start by just setting boundaries, set specific times to check social media. And if that feels comfortable for you, gradually reduce the time spent on these platforms. So I'm not saying completely eliminate them. That's a little bit of a horrifying thought for a lot of people, although there is a growing movement to do that. What I'm saying is start to actually be more intentional about how you're interacting with them because especially if you find yourself in overthink mode very often, 
note how often you are resorting to your phone during those times and whether it's actually making you feel better and decreasing the overthink or worse and making the overthink spin faster. Another intervention, and this goes back to the science I was talking about, is simply sleep. Ensuring you have enough quality sleep is so important as a lack of sleep can contribute to overthinking. So try establishing a consistent sleep schedule and a calming pre-sleep routine. We just aired a recent episode all about sleep with some really powerful strategies with Eric Prather. So we'll drop a link to that in the show notes if you want to go deeper into it so that you can really understand what are the simple behaviors that I can explore that will help me rewire my sleep and in doing so, get better, more consistent sleep, develop a calming pre-sleep routine and help pull myself out of this cycle of overthink. And final one, all these different things have varying levels of being able to do them alone, do them with friends, do them with groups of people, and also do them with qualified professionals. And last one here is to, if you feel it would be helpful, seek qualified professional help. So if overthinking is causing severe distress or impairing your ability to function in any meaningful way, it is essential to seek professional help. There's no shame in it. There's no stigma in it. There are so many ways to find access to great mental health providers these days with all levels of accessibility. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is one form that a lot of people turn to. It can help manage overthinking and improve coping mechanisms. There is robust evidence, so many different studies indicating that CBT can be really effective at reducing symptoms of overthinking and associated conditions like anxiety and depression. And there are many other forms of effective therapy that guided by a qualified mental health care professional can make a profound difference in your life. So if you are feeling, again, like this pattern for you is causing genuine distress or impairing in any meaningful way your ability to function, no podcast, no book, no video is going to be the best option. You can try the skills and they'll make a difference, but always see if you can have somebody help guide your journey. So let's apply some of these ideas or tools to the specific different areas in your life where overthinking often shows up. Start with work. We'll use a couple of examples here. So overthinking can manifest in work scenarios where we ruminate about potential mistakes, fear, underperformance, or worry about, let's say, office politics. So you've got an important presentation coming up maybe, and your mind is crowded with thoughts like, what if I forget my lines? What if they don't like my idea? Well, here, cognitive restructuring can be an interesting aid. Try to identify these negative thoughts, challenge their validity, and replace them with balanced thoughts like, I've prepared well for this presentation, I'm going to do my best. Similarly, time boxing your worries can be beneficial in a work context. So for example, if you're constantly ruminating over an email you sent to your boss, designate a specific time in your day to review it and consider potential outcomes or next steps. But once your time box, you know, like overthink time, your worry time is up, make a conscious effort to direct your attention back to your current tasks. Health is another domain where overthinking often shows up. So health-related overthinking can involve things like worrying excessively about potential illness, dwelling on every small symptom, or fearing the worst about your health condition. And certainly, I think the last few years have introduced us to this in a broad, broad way. Well, in this context, mindfulness-based strategies can be particularly helpful. Instead of allowing your mind to spiral into a web of what-ifs, practice staying present and focusing on the facts of your current situation. For example, if you happen to notice a new symptom and start worrying about what it could mean, remind yourself that it's normal for our bodies to experience various sensations and that a symptom doesn't automatically mean a serious health issue. So bring yourself back by being mindful of where your mind actually is. Additionally, practicing self-compassion can reduce health-related overthinking. If you're struggling with a health condition, remind yourself that it's okay to have bad days and try to treat yourself with kindness and understanding rather than overanalyzing every aspect of your health. Well, what about overthinking and relationships? 
Overthinking in relationships may involve constantly analyzing your partner's words or actions, worrying excessively about the future of the relationship, or dwelling on past conflicts even. Positive distraction can be an interesting mode here. Engaging in a hobby or an activity that you love can help shift your focus away from unproductive ruminations. And at the same time, investing energy in the pursuit of a passion or a deep interest can bring you all sorts of other joy and change your state in positive ways as almost a beneficial side effect. For example, if you're, say, dwelling on a disagreement you had with a partner, instead of going over and over the details, try engaging in an activity that requires your attention. And journaling can also be helpful in a relationship context. If you're overthinking a certain aspect of your relationship, Try writing down your thoughts and feelings. This can help you understand your emotions better and may even provide a new perspective to bring back to the relationship along with one that allows you to drop the spin in your head. What about social situations? And this is a big one for a lot of people. And I raise my hand here myself. Social situations can often trigger overthinking. Things like worrying about others' perceptions or saying the wrong thing. Here, exposure therapy can also help. For instance, if you often find yourself overthinking social interactions and worrying about how they'll go, gradual exposure to similar types of situations, often in tiny little bits, slowly building, can make a difference. You might start with a small gathering of close friends or one or two friends and gradually work your way up to larger events, realizing that with each one, you can handle it. Moreover, self-compassion can be super helpful in social scenarios as well. Remind yourself that it's okay to feel nervous and it's okay to not have a perfect conversation every time. Treat yourself with kindness and understanding just as you would do for a friend who was spinning the same thoughts in their head. And remember the goal here, it isn't to eliminate overthinking entirely, but to manage it effectively so it doesn't impede your actions or negatively affect your life. All these strategies, they're tools in your overthinking toolbox. The key is really to experiment with them and find what works best for you. So overthinking is this often misunderstood process that can cause pretty significant distress and stop us from acting. And acting is the thing which brings truth, which brings movement, which brings momentum, which gets us out of our head into our lives. But Understanding what overthinking is, why it happens, and how to address it with practical science-backed strategies can really help us regain control over our minds and lead to more productive, healthier mental processes, and in turn, better lives. So what are the actions that you would want to think about taking as we wrap this conversation? Well, I just shared a pretty big list of strategies, about a dozen or so. But I also don't want you to get stuck in a whole new loop of overthinking, just trying to figure out which one of those you should try out. So instead, we're going to give you a short cheat sheet here for this episode. In fact, we're doing that with all of our summer series episodes. And just consider one specific area, one thing where you feel you maybe experience overthinking. And try one or two of these strategies or practices or tools out. See what feels accessible to you, what makes sense to you, and what feels helpful to you. And remember, the goal here isn't to eliminate overthinking entirely. We don't want to set unrealistic expectations that then pile on more judgment. Rather, it's just to manage it effectively so it doesn't impede your actions and negatively affect your life. All of these strategies are available to you in your ultimate overthinking toolbox. So experiment with them. Find out what works best for you. And again, if overthinking is causing genuine severe distress or impairing your ability to function, it is essential to seek qualified professional help. No book, podcast, or other resource is a replacement for a skilled professional when you need them. Don't let overthinking hold you back. Remember, you have the ability to reclaim a substantial amount of control over your mind, not the other way around. So make the decision to take action today. And that wraps up this second episode in our series. So excited to be back with you next week 
where we'll be diving into our third summer series episode. And if you have found value in this episode, please be sure to follow Good Life Project Podcast so you do not miss any of the upcoming summer series episodes, some solo ones where we dive deep into topics like this, and then some conversational ones, but again, in a very, very topic-focused and actionable way. Thanks so much.